Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning with verse number 13. Listen once again to the Word of God. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My sermon in one sentence. The inclusion of children at the Lord's table is a celebration of the soteriological and missional significance of perichoretic community. Now, can we all say that together at one time? That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? And it, it actually makes perfect sense to me and John and Chesna. But if you find it just a bit confusing, would you please repeat after me? Make this sound. I bet you the entire history of our church that sound has never echoed through these walls like that. One more time, can can, can you make that sound? Now that might sound ridiculous to you. But I want to suggest to you this morning that that is what grace sounds like. In our New Testament reading today, mothers and fathers are bringing their sons and daughters to Jesus. They want them to see Jesus, to hear Jesus, and more importantly, they want Jesus to lay his hands upon them, embrace them, and bless them. But the disciples, most of whom were schooled in Presbyterian congregations who took themselves far too seriously, said to them, get away. No, you're you're, you're just children. You're too young to understand the things of God. Leave. Get away from here. Now, before you judge the brothers too harshly, uh, keep in mind that what they are saying makes objective sense. Indeed, children, boys and girls, are limited cognitively. Objectively speaking, uh, in that day and time, and indeed throughout most of history, children were regarded as having very little value. They were insignificant. Why, Why bother Jesus interrupt his precious time with just these these boys and girls. Uh, Children are disposable. No wonder in our Old Testament reading this morning that Jesse never considered bringing David in from the field. Old man Eli was looking for a successor to King Saul. 
He goes to Bethlehem at the instruction of the Lord. He says, let me see your sons. And seven sons pass in front of Eli. And each time he goes, mm-mm, not, mm-mm, uh-uh, not, mm-mm, not this one. And finally he turns to Jesse and says, but, but do you not have any other sons? And Jesse, yeah, well, there's David, but he's the youngest. He's out in the fields taking care of the sheep. Objectively, Jesse was right. Objectively, it would have been foolish, ridiculous, a waste of time to call David in from the field. Objectively, it made no sense for God to choose David. It wasn't prudent and it wasn't practical. But God doesn't make decisions objectively. And God's work rarely strikes us as prudent or practical. God decides according to God's will and God's purposes. And as Paul points out in 1 Corinthians, often this will seem entirely foolish to us. Welcoming little children, really? So of course the children in today's New Testament reading want to Shoot the, the disciples want to shoo the children away. Of course the children are rejected. Children have been rejected throughout history. Some of you might remember that in the Roman Empire, if you gave birth to a daughter, but the father didn't want the daughter, the father would just take the child into the woods and leave her. Children are disposable. But how does Jesus respond to their rational, objective Prudent, practical words. Jesus is angry. Mark says he's indignant, and I think that's putting it politely. What are you doing? Why are you shooing them away? Let them crawl into my lap. I want to wrap my arms around them and bless them. Do you still not get it? Are you that dense? God's presence and work in the world belong to them. And if you don't get it, if you don't get over your all-too-serious adult, grown-up attitude, you'll never, ever see the kingdom of God in the world. If you don't get over your own confidence and your own beliefs and attitudes, you will never understand what God is doing in your midst. Mark says that Jesus took them in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. We worship and follow a Lord who invites children to climb into his lap so Jesus can wrap his arms around them and bless them. Can you imagine Jesus picking you up and putting you in his lap? I think, I, I think my late friend Teresa could imagine God picking her up and putting her in God's lap. Teresa was in her 80s when she died many, many years ago. She was a cross between Mother Teresa and Attila the Hun. If you picture a bulldog in a white dress, then you have a good picture of Teresa. She had an incredible heart of compassion but her spine was made of titanium. She was a retired nurse, and she had helped to open up the psychiatric unit in one of the hospitals in downtown Charleston. 
Teresa had a few opinions, and as you might imagine, she was quite willing to share those opinions, whether you wanted to hear them or not. I love Teresa. Every Sunday morning, as I would make my way around and greet people before the service started, I would sit down beside Teresa just for a few minutes, and then she would get going. She'd point to somebody in the church. You see that beep and that beep, and you know what I think of him, beep, 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 beep. Teresa, you, you can't say that about that person. Patrick, I don't give a beep, and I don't beep, beep, beep. I mean, that little beep sound laced all of our conversations because she was just laying it out how she thought about everybody in the church. And it was very colorful, earthy language. And yet, as she was complaining about the people with whom she disagreed in the church, uh, she would slowly reach her hand into her pocketbook, get out a piece of mint candy, put it on the pew, and slide it over to me. And then I would pick up that piece of mint and just slide it into my pocket. And for years, we did that. I would sit down on the pew with her. I would hear the beep and beep and beep, and then she would slide the candy right over to me. She collapsed and died in her laundry room one evening around 6.30. Her adult son called me immediately. I raced over to the house, and as the paramedics were filling out paperwork, I took Teresa by the hand and held her son's hand, and there we prayed and gave thanks to God for the gift of her life and the many blessings that she had brought into our lives. And every Christmas after that, as long as I was in that church, her son would come to me and give me a gift of mint candy. It was beautiful. I love Teresa. I love the relationship we had. It was such a silly thing. It was so playful and impractical and ridiculous, just sliding that little piece of candy over, but it was Teresa's gruff way of saying, I care. It was Teresa's way of saying, I love you. Just a little thing, that piece of candy. Just a little thing, that piece of bread. Just a little thing, that sip of juice. But every Sunday we come here and Jesus slides them across the pew to us. And at this table, Jesus opens up his arms and says to us, I care. I love you. For years, we in the Presbyterian Church did not allow children to come to the Lord's table. Still reeling from the scholastic, Protestant scholasticism of the 18th century, we convinced ourselves that Christian faith only is meaningful if we can intellectually grasp it. And since a child can't reason like a child or think like a child, we said, well, children can't come to the table. We changed our policy a couple of generations ago, but I remember even when I was going through confirmation, and I imagine some of you remember this too, it was called communicants class then because you had to go through confirmation to first be admitted to the table. As some of you will remember, I hardly ever went to church growing up, but my parents did see to it that I was there for four Sundays of confirmation. And on the fourth Sunday, in that worship service, I took communion for the fourth time, for the, for, for the first time. Do we really need to grasp the missiological and sociological significance of perichoretic community to appreciate 
the meaning of the sacrament? Of course not. You know me well enough to understand that I'm anything but anti-intellectual. Indeed, it was my intellectual curiosity that got me into ministry to begin with. But sometimes we Presbyterians have focused so much on understanding and worshiping God with our minds that we've neglected to love God with our hearts, even though that's not what Calvin was about at all. The cruel irony, the cruel irony of keeping children away from the table is that this is the place in the worship service that has the most potential to be meaningful for boys and girls. We, like many, many Protestant congregations, have a children's moment in our worship service, but if we didn't, we would still have the children's moment here because in the tasting and in the touching, in the coming together, all this is pre-verbal, it's pre-cognitive, and here children experience the love of Jesus Christ in a very, very powerful way. Karl Barth, the great theologian, was once asked to summarize the gospel. I, this might have happened when he was in Princeton. I, I don't remember. But he summarized it by saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. My friends, when we come to this table, we come with varying degrees of understanding. We might disagree. In our history, for example, people have killed one another over their interpretation of what this means. And yet when all is said and done, this is just Jesus' way of saying, I care. I love you. On a rare Sunday when my family and I visited a local church, I was a teenager at the time. We sang the hymns, we proclaimed the creed, we heard the sermon, and it happened to be a rare Sunday in that congregation when the communion was celebrated. The pastor offered the prayer, the body of Christ broken for you, we had the bread in our hands and we took it up together and began eating it and then I, this is what I heard. I was like, what in the world? And then it got louder. I can't, I can't even do it loud enough. Like, and I thought, why, why would someone go into a worship service and be that disrespectful and rude? And then I looked. And it was a four-year-old with Down syndrome. And they were tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. When we stand at this table, we say, for all who love Jesus, come, come, come. For here Jesus reminds us one more time, hey, I care. Hey, I love you. My friends, when you come to the table today, I hope, and I pray that you will feel Jesus' hands on your head, blessing you as a child of God. Amen.